Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Voice of Pancreatic Cancer podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Weinberg, with the Sina Magowitz Foundation. We are a nonprofit committed to the prevention, awareness, and cure of pancreatic cancer. One of the ways we work toward that goal is by raising money for clinical trials. With guidance from Dr. Daniel Von Hoff, we recently awarded $1 million to a brand new trial called the Pancreas Trial. Now, this will be a collaboration trial between the Medical College of Wisconsin, Honor Health Research Institute in Arizona, and the University of North Carolina. Today, we'll talk to two medical leads on this trial who explain just how groundbreaking this research will be. But before we begin, I'd like to take a moment to thank our donors who make this kind of large-scale funding possible. Because of you, we are saving lives. everyone and welcome to our podcast. I'm Miranda Weinberg with the Sina Magowitz Foundation. If you're not familiar with us, the Sina Magowitz Foundation is a nonprofit. Uh, we're dedicated to the awareness, prevention, and the eventual cure of pancreatic cancer. I'm joined here by two amazing doctors. We have Dr. Susan Tsai. She's with the Medical College of Wisconsin. And Dr. Jin Jin Ye. She's actually with UNC Lineberger Comprehensive Cancer Center. And I'd love for you ladies to both just explain a little bit more about your background and what brought you to where you are today. Thanks very much, Miranda, for having us today. It's really a pleasure. I'm a professor of surgery and pharmacology here at UNC Chapel Hill, and I am both a cancer surgeon and a cancer researcher and came to UNC because of the wealth of research opportunities and uh, cancer care that's here. And I'm Susan Tsai. I'm a surgical oncologist at the Medical College of Wisconsin. I'm the director of the Laban Pancreatic Cancer Program. Um, I did my training at uh, the University of Michigan and Johns Hopkins. Um, I'd love to hear more about uh, how both of you became interested in pancreatic cancer specifically. I think we all want to go into medicine to make people better and make people's lives better. But as a surgeon, I think that one of the most difficult things is telling someone that there's nothing more that we can do. And in pancreas cancer, not only are we faced with that many times with not being able to take the tumor out, even though the cancer hasn't spread, but even when we can take the tumor out and we've done that, then we're faced with the tumor coming back within a couple of years. And you can imagine how devastating that is. And so wanting to help make some headway into improving patient's outcome in this really aggressive disease is why I initially devoted my research in, to pancreatic cancer. Yeah, and I, I agree. I mean, I, I would echo a lot of those comments. I think it's really discouraging to see patients after a large operation um, develop recurrent disease so quickly. So I, I think there must be a better way of doing things and whether that's better therapeutics or better delivery, I mean, I think that's what we're here to answer. We hear from a lot of patients that they've heard about precision medicine. What does that mean to you both? Yeah, Miranda, I think that's a really great question. It's, um, we hear about that a lot now in the press. Um, I think precision medicine means many things, but to me, it really reflects the importance of matching patients to the best treatments and getting it right. 
This can be new treatments or it could be even old treatments, but the important, most important thing is to get patients to the best treatment first. So in many other cancers, like for instance, melanoma, lung and colon cancer, we have an understanding of how the DNA or gene mutations in the tumor can actually help guide us to better therapies or therapies that patients are actually going to respond to. This is because sometimes tumors have specifically altered genes that the tumor is addicted to. And if we can stop that addiction with a drug, then the tumor will respond and shrink. In pancreatic cancer, although we do see some gene alterations that can make a tumor sensitive to certain chemotherapies, it's probably only true for about less than 20% of patients. And I, I mean, just piggybacking off of that, I think, you know, not many people kind of realize that when you walk into a doctor's office, when you have a, a diagnosis of cancer, almost everybody's going to get the same therapy. So like there's one standard of care and you get it, this regimen for a set amount of time, and it's really not personalized to the patient at all. And we know that cancers, like different types of cancers um, may not respond to different therapies. And even the same cancer within two people may not respond to the same therapy. And so sometimes that's why chemotherapies work in some patients and they don't in others. And the only way we know how to know if a, a therapy works right now, unfortunately, is to give it. Um, and so you can get therapy and have all the toxicities and no benefit. And so I think that's exactly um, what Dr. Ye is saying is that we really want to get patients to the best therapy first without them having to go through this kind of unnecessary period where they're, they're accumulating all of these toxicities for an ineffective therapy. And that's actually um, maybe a good segue to the pancreas trial. Um, we, we really are hoping that this trial will be able to help us identify a way to be more predictive in how we give treatments. So we're planning on taking biopsies from patients' tumors and then sending them to UNC for molecular profiling. And then based on those results, patients will get a therapy that's not just off the shelf um, for everyone. It's specific to their uh, specific tumor type. You know, that definition of every cancer um, is different for each patient. Would you say that that's more true of pancreatic cancer patients? as compared to other types of cancer? Jen, Jen, what do you think, actually? I mean, I've read some things where the heterogeneity in pancreas cancer is, is pretty profound, um, but you, you know probably the best of all of us. I think the, the field does recognize the fact that there are similarities that can be found across many tumors. And, but within, even within a cancer like pancreatic cancer, there are still many differences, right? Um, and so we have to understand what those differences are and what those differences mean to respond to therapy response, to, to try and capture the groups that we can identify that might actually be responsive to a therapy. Um, and that those groups can be really different depending on what therapies we're looking at, right? So if we were looking at therapies against a certain gene mutation, right, we're only going to look at those patients with that specific gene mutation. Um, but if it's another therapy, the groups may be totally different. And it's that inherent understanding of what's going on in the tumors that allow us to essentially match them up better. 
Because Jen, Jen, in, in your preclinical work and, and from your observations from other clinical trials, I think you've identified that certain types of more classical-like tumors may respond better to a certain chemotherapy that a lot of patients get, fulfirinox, while others may not. Um, and then, so even dichotomizing it into like black and white, but what you're also saying is there may be actually shades of gray even in between those, those two extremes. Right, totally. And I think um, we, we just don't know. I think that this is, the Pinkers trial is a fantastic opportunity to see how uh, these two groups or two subtypes that we've identified will be able to guide therapies. Um, but we have to continue asking these questions and seeing how these subtypes or maybe it's different groups can guide therapies to the third therapy or the fourth ther therapy. So we can't... Um, I think that both your point and uh, Dr. Tai and Miranda's point of tumors being really different, we have to recognize when those differences are important mm -hmm. and not always looking at the same thing over and again and to be nimble in terms of how we think about therapies and how tumors are treated. Um, you're right, Susan, we found that essentially we can we can what we call subtype or subgroup patients into two groups, the tumors right now into two groups. And right now for the two standard therapies that patients are given, um, one of these subtypes does not seem to be responding to one of the really most popular therapies that we use and one of the more powerful therapies that you mentioned, fulfirinox. And so that really brings us to the pancreas trial where we're trying to see, well, if we already have hints and strong hints that patients are not going to be responding to fulfirinox, then what else should we be giving them? Then we shouldn't be, then perhaps it's probably not best to start with fulfirinox, especially if there's another therapy that might be equally, um, equally good. So um, that's what the pancreas trial is going to do. And it really will be the first trial to, to incorporate the use of markers uh, to guide therapy in pancreatic cancer. And, and what are you most excited about with this trial? I mean, what's the primary objective? Yeah, so the primary endpoint of the trial is to compare the rates of response um, to patients who get molecular profiling and then have molecular profile-directed therapy. So based on their subtype, they're going to get a specific type of chemotherapy. And that's compared to historical controls where patients really got the same therapy regardless of what kind of tumor they had. And then are there any other additional goals, Dr. Ye, that you wanted to explain? So I think um, this, is, this is a really unique and special trial to have patients, have us actually be able to have biopsies of patients before treatment and after treatment. So it's, it's really important to help us actually understand what's next in the future or what more can we do? Um, and those are some of the questions that we want to look at. Um, one of which is to look at how the two different therapies affect both the tumor and the tumor microenvironment. And the tumor microenvironment is like the neighborhood around the tumor. We know that this neighborhood is really important. It has important cells like immune cells, like you hear a lot about now in the press. But these cells, not just immune cells, might actually help control whether a tumor lives or dies. So understanding how everything is being affected by the treatment is going to help us develop new therapies and also help us 
figure out more how to guide better, how to guide therapies in the future and to really push precision medicine to its limits. We talked about um, the molecular subtype test that you'll be performing. Um, how is it going to be different in this trial than what's done commercially? Right now, what's done commercially most commonly is to look at your gene mutation. So look at your gene alteration and to match up those addictions, like I mentioned before, with drugs that may be able to hit those addictions. But those tests are not as helpful for pancreatic cancer, um, except for the small percentage of patients, about the 15 to 20% of patients that might um, show some response to chemotherapy. So what about the you know, the majority of pancreatic cancer patients. So what we actually did was we went essentially the next level further from looking at the DNA. We looked at um, something called RNA, which um, we have to also do gene sequencing on, but is a little bit um, more variable and complicated. It's not really available in the majority of hospital environments. And it usually when it's done, it takes too long. And so we can't, give uh, a patient or their provider an answer in enough time to really change the treatment that they're going to get. Um, we were very fortunate to have an exceptional team at UNC Limeburger with uh, a superb statistician, um, Dr. Naeem Rashid, who was able to really help us think through this problem and to come up with a way to tell, to essentially call your subtype or identify the subtype of your tumor using a much more limited and faster platform that many hospitals already have. So we were just applying a test to something, to technology that was already available. And so we've turned this test over to our colleagues um, at UNC Healthcare and UNC Limeburger, and they've developed a test that can be used in the clinic and then that can give results within a week. And, and for perspective, um, Jen Jen, you know, to do this kind of sequencing, if we, you didn't do the purest profiling, this kind of novel way of looking and classifying, would it take one and a half months, two months? How long would it take to do the sequencing and do the analysis and get the result? Um, it probably, you're right. You're absolutely right, Susan. It would take about a month at least. Um, and it's, it's just very clunky because there's no, there's no workflow or streamlined way to really do this. Um, there's just so many different pieces of the puzzle that have to be put together to accomplish that, to look at the data, to make sure the data is good, that it does take quite a long time. And so being able to shrink it into something that's very clear um, has been um, really, really amazing for us. It's amazing to, to get a result that quickly from that much data. I think that's incredible. Yeah, and when you're dealing with pancreatic cancer, time is of the essence. So um, it could be the difference between life and death, right? Absolutely. And when, when you have cancer, you want to get treated and you want to get treated as soon as possible. And so we have to balance the getting the right treatment to getting the treatment as soon as possible because we definitely, you know, rushing, um, Getting, getting the wrong treatment in a short period of time isn't helpful either. So we want, definitely want to be as quick as possible and but as accurate and as, um, as um, anticipatory of what, what the patient's tumor might respond best to. Jen, Jen how, did, how did your group even start to think about this, the purist profiling? I mean, that seems like a, an amazing concept, but 
like, did you, did you just wake up one morning and you thought this is what we need to do? Yeah. You know, that, that would be awesome if we were that smart, <laughs> but, um, especially epiphanies during sleep is fantastic. Um, but it, it actually stemmed from some of the challenges. So we were seeing the fact that these subtypes that we've identified in patients might actually be really important in terms of telling us what treatment patients are going to respond to, right? And so being a physician, you know, the next step is try to figure out, okay, now how can we use this test, right? But what we're not taught in either research or in medicine is when you have some research results, how do you get it to the clinic and make it actually usable? Um, because as you were saying before, in terms of sequencing, it can take months. Um, and then we still have to do quality checks, but how can we get it to a point where you can just order a test from a menu in the hospital, right? And so in terms of classifying tumors or identifying the tumor subtype, it needs to be done on a single sample. And that's not something that we can, we've been able to do in pancreatic cancer before we had uh, tried this. And so I went to Naeem Rashid, our biostatistician, and I said, you know, how can we make this so that the assay is reproducible, replicable, and can be done on a patient sample that's coming into the clinic? And of course, it was his brain that really um, used some, some methods that were already existing and developed further and came up with Purist, the classifier that we now have in the clinic. So it's only, um, it's only several pairs of genes, so it's not really unwieldy, um, and it's very, very easy to analyze. And almost any hospital with the, um, what's called the NanoStream platform can actually use it. So very, very feasible and practical. Do you have any other hospitals reached out and, and asked if they, if they could use this, a similar system? This might be the first step in that direction, right, Jen Jen? Yes, so the, the Cena Magwitz Foundation and Dr. Tsai's pancreas trial is going to be the first test, uh, the first evaluation of whether or not this is a feasible test and whether it's a useful test to guide therapies. Um, and I think if, if it is, then we can, um, we can broaden its use. But I, this is why I think that this trial is so brave because it really, it uses therapies that we already have and moves to the next step that we haven't, um, the field hasn't at least gone to yet. So this really will be the first trial to ask, to use a test to try and guide therapy in pancreatic cancer. And if we can, then I think that's the proof of principle that we need. And I'm sure it's going to spur on so much more research um, with so many other, there's so many brilliant um, researchers and clinicians in the field that I think that this is the, really the first step. And the amazing thing is like the technology is at a lot of hospitals already. So um, really the gen once we can show or we can demonstrate some efficacy, the generalizability of this, you know, this approach could be very rapidly spread throughout the US. Easily implemented. They already have the system nearly set up. Yeah, that's exciting. This trial really is going to be groundbreaking from what you both explained. 
I know the Sina Magowitz Foundation, um, it's been an honor for us to be able to be a part uh, donating financially uh, to helping this happen. Um, I'd like to know uh, from both of your perspectives, how important is outside funding and donations when it comes to trials like this? Um, you know, I think the first thing that I would tell people is that there is hope. We hear a lot about, you know, if you have pancreatic cancer, then you're going to die. But the field has made so many strides in the last decade. We're really, really advancing. And I think that we really need to know that there is hope, but we need a lot of help in order to attack the cancer from all sides, from developing new therapies to figuring out ways to use ex existing therapies, the precision medicine approaches that we've already talked about today, and even developing new drug delivery strategies um, and just thinking outside of the box. All of this um, really, really is helpful and couldn't be done without foundations like the Sina Magowitz Foundation. Um, because I think that sometimes the foundations, like your foundation was really willing to think outside of the box and willing, really willing to move forward um, with the next step and being uh, courageous about it. And I think that that's what we need. We need to try all these different approaches in order to find successes. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think maybe your listeners, they may not know this, but there's generally kind of three types of clinical trials. There's trials that are industry sponsored. So there's a pharmaceutical company who's been working on a drug and they have skin in the game basically uh, to get their, their, um, their agent across you know, available. There's cooperative group trials, which oftentimes is a little bit clunky because you have to kind of come to a consensus and then design a trial that's usually comparing two different standards of care. And I think the pancreas trial doesn't fit any of those. We're not using a new drug, we're, we're basically um, using available drugs that are just giving them in a better way. And then we're also trying to be very nimble and uh, do something really innovative within a clinical trial. And so without the Sina Magowitz Foundation, this, you know, this trial really couldn't occur. I mean, it's so fundamental to be, as uh, Dr. Ye said, very courageous and think outside the box to recognize where we can really accelerate um, opportunities for advancement in pancreas cancer, um, rather than kind of take a step-by-step -step approach, which oftentimes is very helpful, but it just, I think our patients really want to see an acceleration of progress. That's what we all wanna see. So, um, so on this trial specifically, who exactly is eligible and how do people go about the process of enrolling? Yep, so um, patients are eligible who have operable pancreas cancer, and they also have an elevated biomarker called CA199. Um, so this is a, a glycoprotein that we can measure in the blood, and it's gonna help us uh, determine if there's a good response to the chemotherapy that's given. Um, so if those, those are the only two criteria, really, <clears throat> the biggest, uh, the most important criteria. Who would be the person that they would talk to to see if they qualify? Um, yes, so the, currently the plan is to open, or the trial will be opened at the Medical College of Wisconsin, um, and also at, uh, there's a second site at Honor Health, um, so those would be the two sites where the trial is available. And what would you say to encourage someone um, that thinks, you know, maybe they are eligible to step forward and, and participate? 
Yeah, so we have a new patient coordinator um, who can help kind of guide patients through the process and just even connect them with our clinical trial coordinator. And that's a very easy process. If you just even Google MCW and pancreas cancer, you'll come to our homepage and there's a, um, from there you can, there's a clinical trials um, area that you can click on and that will take you directly to where you need to go. Okay, awesome. And then uh, wherever you're watching or listening to this, we, we can also provide a link to that as well. So you can Great. do it easily. Okay, so to wrap up, um, at our foundation, we believe that every single person can make a difference in this fight against pancreatic cancer, whether you've been personally affected or you have a heart for the cause. Um, what would you say to encourage everyone listening to get involved in some way, shape or form? We spend a lot of time talking about a clinical trial, but not everyone can participate in a clinical trial. So I think, um, you know, if patients with pancreas cancer, if they're interested in giving back, there's a lot of ways to do that through uh, tissue banks or tissue biorepositories where their tumors can be studied. Um, several centers have what are called rapid autopsy programs where I, I usually think of this as like tumor donation after death. So, you know, um, the field of science can move forward by learning from each individual patient. So it's something to consider. But in general, I mean, I think we're in a much better place um, now than we were even 10 years ago with the therapies that are available and you know the rapid progress we've made in the last decade um, really means that there's gonna be more and more survivors from pancreas cancer who can raise awareness. Um, and I think that's the most important thing is it, you know, having patients tell their stories, share their experiences, and kind of develop this fellowship. I think that's kind of the most important thing, both for patient, you know, active patients and, and family members as well. Yeah, and then that's one of the goals of us starting this podcast is to give a voice to pancreatic cancer and to those warriors that are continuing the fight. So thank you both so much for being here and just for explaining this exciting new uh, process that's starting. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Anything we missed? So doc, I know if you're interested in social media, Dr. Ye's lab is on Twitter. <laughs> um, and uh, the MCW Pancreas Cancer Program is on Twitter. So please follow us on social media. We always have content and we're, you know, really excited to work with the Sino Maglitz Foundation, which also is very um, much, actually much farther along with the social media content than we are. So we look forward to engaging everyone um, on those platforms as well. All right. Yes. I'll, I'll be sure to include uh, both of those as well wherever you're listening. So you can find them and follow easily. All right, thank you ladies so much. Thank you. Thanks.